0: This podcast is classified MA15 Plus and is not suitable for listeners under the age of 15. It contains strong adult themes and violence. It was the discovery no one wished for. And then the police cars turned up and they closed off both ends of the road, said nobody was allowed to go near there. We are investigating this matter as a murder. And that's when we realised they'd actually found a body.
1: Andrew Negre had a mane of shiny, light brown hair that reached down to his waist. He was the type of bloke who, if he walked into a pub and didn't know anyone, he'd walk out with a dozen new best friends. In 2011, Andrew was 37. He was in the Hallett Cove Tavern, a bar in southern Adelaide. It was around midnight and he was just about to strike up one of those new friendships an hour earlier andrew's girlfriend fiona up and left the bar in a huff she'd wanted him to come home because it was getting late but andrew wanted the party he would be dead before sunrise andrew's murder case is an example of how in south australia and queensland a suspected gay murder can become not a gay murder. We touched on it briefly in an earlier episode, the so-called gay panic defence. Andrew's girlfriend had left the pub. There he was flying solo at midnight when Michael Lindsay walked through the door. Michael had his sisters and a few mates in tow and Andrew being the guy he was and looking for some company struck up a bit of a conversation and hit it off with them right away. At around 1.30 in the morning, Andrew and his new crew of friends left together, all headed back to Michael's place, where they cracked open another round of pre-mixed bourbon tinnies. <laughs> around this time, Andrew's girlfriend Fiona woke up in her bed alone. Wondering where he was, she rang his phone. It was answered by his new friend Michael, who told her to come on over, There's a party going on. So Fiona jumped in a cab. She arrived at Michael's place and hung around for a while. And even though it seemed to her that everyone else was having a good time, and as much as Michael might have tried to get her into the swing of things, she just wasn't into it. Fiona was overheard that night yelling and swearing at Andrew, wondering why he'd endanger their relationship by hanging out at a party with people he didn't even know. She called a cab and left. Michael told Andrew he was cool to stay the night if he wanted, and the group kept drinking out at the bergola. Michael's sister Ashley would recall someone making a comment that night about someone being gay. Next thing, there was Andrew straddling Michael's lap and moving his hips backwards and forwards, having a laugh. The whole group saw it and heard Michael tell him to stop. Andrew apologised to Michael for straddling him, and Michael accepted. Now what follows are excerpts from the court documents read by actors.
0: Just don't go doing shit like that again. Because I'm not gay, or I'll hit you.
1: Michael's partner, Mel Glover, the mother of his son, wasn't impressed. She growled something at him, saying she wanted this bloke out of there. But Michael wasn't going to kick his guest out. Andrew grew tired. Michael said he could have a bed upstairs. Andrew said he didn't want to be alone, that he wanted to sleep with Michael. Michael declined, and somewhere in there, several people overheard andrew say i'll pay you for sex then what did you say cunt michael threw a punch at andrew then more and more over and over hitting him in the head he smacked him to the ground all so fast there was no resistance michael reached down grabbed andrew by his long hair and started laying into him again banging his head into the floor michael then called out to his friend luke hutchings and told him to hold andrew down so he could go through his pockets. It didn't stop there. Michael kept kicking Andrew and stomping on his head. Michael's housemate, Bridget Mildwaters, told him to let Andrew go.
0: I can't let him go. we will go to the cops.
1: Terrified, Bridget took refuge in a bedroom. She peered out through a crack in the door. From here she saw Michael and Luke either side of Andrew's lifeless body. Michael had a knife in his hand and he had gloves on. Then, there was a furious drumming of knife blows to Andrew's chest, at least 25 hits, then his throat was slit. Michael's flatmate Bridget didn't see who delivered those fatal blows. She says Michael then came into her room and told her to clean up the mess. She declined.
0: I'm going to jail for the rest of my life, aren't I, sister girl?
1: Yes. Michael denied this conversation took place, Michael and Luke dumped Andrew's body in a wheelie bin down at a nearby creek. It was found a week later. Michael then stole a Subaru Liberty, robbed a convenience store and was captured a few days later, 100 kilometres away in Tailham Bend.
0: It was the discovery no one wished for. Just hours after Mr Negre's family made an emotional plea for him to come home A body believed to be his was found in these bushes near Glade Crescent. And then the police cars turned up and they closed off both ends of the road, said nobody was allowed to go near there. And that's when we realised they'd actually found a body.
1: When the case went to trial, Luke Hutchings admitted slitting Andrew Negre's throat but said it was his friend Michael Lindsay who'd already killed him with those 25 knife blows. Michael, on his part, argued that it wasn't him that killed him, it was all Luke. But the jury found Michael guilty of murder, and the judge sentenced him to life with a 23-year non-parole period. This is where the gay panic defence comes in. Michael and his legal team appealed the decision on the basis that provocation was not put properly to the jury. Basically, Andrew cracked onto Michael, Michael was provoked, causing him to react violently. Here's how this defence became possible in Australia. Up until the early 70s, the gay panic defence was not a defence of provocation, but of insanity. The logic went that the accused would say the deceased person had made a homosexual advance towards them and that that had triggered a latent homosexuality in the accused. And that was akin to a bout of insanity, because back then, being homosexual was considered a mental illness. This insanity then caused the accused to inflict fatal violence on the victim, and because at the time of death the accused was considered to be insane, they couldn't be held legally responsible for their actions and couldn't be found guilty of murder. Since homosexuality has not officially been considered a mental illness since 1973, the defence has morphed into a more straightforward matter of he came onto me and I flipped out. And this legal defence can still be used in court in both Queensland and South Australia. Michael Lindsay appealed on these grounds. Now, this is the thing. It might come as a surprise, given his original defence was that he did not kill Andrew Negre. Michael said Luke Hutchings did it and he had no reason to kill Andrew. It was the prosecution who presented the evidence of provocation to show motive. But they didn't do it so strongly that it turned that motive into an excuse for murder. And even though Michael Lindsay's lawyers did not use the gay panic defence at trial, the judge was still required to tell the jury that if they didn't believe his version of events, and if they thought he really did do the stabbing, they could still find that Michael Lindsay was provoked into it by the homosexual advance from Andrew, which would change the conviction from murder to manslaughter. This is how the judge explained it to the jury. In
0: considering provocation, there are two questions which you must ask. First, is it a reasonable possibility that what the deceased did or said caused Mr Lindsay to temporarily lose his self-control and to kill Mr Negre whilst he was not in control of himself? Second, is it a reasonable possibility that what the deceased did or said might cause an ordinary person in the position of the accused to lose his or her self-control and do what the accused, in fact, did? The judge went on to explain, Losing self-control means what it says. It must be more than mere anger or panic. It must be such... As in a case like this, it causes the accused's blood to boil to the extent where reason has been temporarily suspended. If you consider that the accused, Mr Lindsay, was so provoked, then you must consider whether the conduct is capable of causing an ordinary person to lose self-control.
1: In the end, the jury did think that Michael Lindsay was guilty that grabbing a bloke by the hair and smashing his face into the floor, kicking him, pulling his trousers off and stabbing him 25 times was not a way an ordinary person could act. The South Australian Appeal Court agreed. But when the case went to the High Court of Australia, the Justices disagreed. They found that not enough emphasis had been put on the fact that the ordinary person is not a single being. The jury had to consider their ordinary person to be of the same race, age, ethnicity and personal background as the accused. They had to take into account that an offer of money for sex made by a Caucasian man to an Aboriginal man in his own home and in the presence of his wife and family had a pungency that such an advance would not have to the rest of us. The High Court ordered a retrial and Michael went back before a jury. He was again found guilty of Andrew's murder and has again lodged an appeal against that conviction. The case of Andrew Negre's murder is ongoing. As with all the stories in this series, his murder and the cases of Jim Blacksland, Dr. George Duncan and David John Saint, there is no resolution. There are no answers and no conclusions, but there are lessons. We've traced back through decades of South Australia's history and the treatment of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer and intersex people remains very much a current issue. A recent Melbourne study showed that 7 out of 10 LGBTQI people still don't report assaults and harassment. Earlier surveys had that number at 9 out of 10. A 2010 study in Queensland showed 23% of LGBTQI people had been victims of assault in their lifetime, three times the state average. There is some good news. Police forces across the country have made huge advances in the way they deal with LGBTQI communities. All Australian police now have lesbian and gay liaison officers to bridge the gaping chasm that has historically existed and still exists between the two sides. And it's a bridge that's needed. Gay bashings and murders continue. As recently as 2015, two men were convicted of the vigilante-style murder of 48-year-old Warren Batchelor in a Perth toilet block. Their aim? To rid the area of gay men. But in this instance, the institutions dealt with the case appropriately and the killers were sentenced to jail for long stretches. This outcome? A conclusion? Justice? Justice? is the least that the victims we've heard about in this investigation could have hoped for.
0: True Stories Season 3 is inspired by Deepwater, SBS's first cross-platform network event. Head to sbs.com.au forward slash truestories for more details. These stories are adapted from Mark Whitaker's long-read investigation into a series of Adelaide gay hate murders, which will be published online at the end of the season. True Stories is an SBS online production. Told by Mark Whitaker. Music and sound by Martin Peralta. Produced by Gina McEwan. Illustrations by Jeremy Lord and commissioned by Kylie Bolton and Ben Napastek.